Amen. What a tremendous message and song. And I'd invite you to take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 102. Um, we're going to be in a number of different texts this morning together, but you can begin there with me in Psalm 102. And uh, we will consider what God has for us this morning. Psalm 102. Would you bow your head with me as we pray? Father, we're thankful again for all that you've taught us this morning, thankful for what you have reminded us in song and in your word with one another. We pray that right now, God, as we open up your word, that your spirit would illuminate our hearts to the truth of the Bible, that, Lord, as we think about and as we look at um, and as we read, Lord, what you have said to us, I pray that, Lord, this would speak directly to each heart that is here this morning and Lord, we would uh, leave from this place today knowing that you met with us. And so we just ask for your help in all of this this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. I, I want to begin this morning by showing you a picture of something that showed up to our house here not too long ago. Uh, Jessica and I were sitting out eating on the patio as a family when all of a sudden Jessica said, hey, check that out. And uh, we look up right from where we're seated there at the patio table and at the corner of the house situated right under the eave on a gutter is this screech owl. Now, uh, he was there all day long. I mean, he showed up and he didn't leave till nighttime. And uh, but I mean, it was just interesting to see him there positioned all by himself. You know, all these birds are flying around. He's just kind of doing this number, you know. But he's there all alone. He was there all day long, and, and he didn't leave. I mean, we were sitting there eating and making loud noises, and I'm like, certainly this thing would, you know, leave or go somewhere, but he didn't care. I, he was there all day long, uh, so much so that, like, by the afternoon, you know, Jessica's Googling, like, what does it mean when an owl shows up at your house? And let me just tell you right now, like, depending on who you are, it's either, like, really good or, like, really bad. And, uh, but we're not superstitious, and so we think that in God's kindness and goodness, uh, he brought this blessing of an owl right up close for us to look at and to take part in his magnificent creation. You know, but when I look at that bird and I see him sitting there in that solitary uh, moment, he's there all day completely alone. I'm reminded of what the psalmist said in Psalm 102. You've opened there in your Bible. Would you look down with me, beginning in verse 6? The psalmist says, I am like a desert owl of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the waste places I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever resonated with what the psalmist is saying here about the birds of the air? He talks about these owls. He talks about these sparrows. And he, he says they're just lonely. Do you ever in your own life resonate and feel like that? That you can uh, feel lonely in moments of life? You know, here's the reality. The truth of the matter is this morning, there could be many, many lonely people here in this room this morning. And you would leave and wouldn't even know it. Loneliness finds us in all sorts of circumstances. As I thought about it this week of some of the circumstances that people find themselves in in moments of life that seems to be just so filled with this feeling of loneliness, a number of things came to mind. It could be that you're a single person 
who simply just longs for the joy of companionship. It could be that you've recently moved into a new role or a new place or a new job, a new environment that's proven extremely challenging and difficult to adjust to. It could be a a lack of employment and a financial burden that has caused a shake in your identity and it's brought about this newfound stress and in that stress you found yourself withdrawing from others. It could be that your social profile has a myriad of followers, yet somehow you feel so disconnected, unaccepted, and misunderstood. It could be that you're on an island of isolation of your own making, that your negative attitude and critical spirit have only served to distance yourself from other people. It could be that the attacks of the enemy have left you defenseless and unguarded, And the hardest battle is not what people see you face on the outside, but it's the war that is raging within. Could be that you've recently lost a dear friend or experienced a painful separation of a close loved one. And the desolation of bereavement comes from nothing you did, but from something that happened completely outside of your control. Could be You're here this morning and you're in a relationship with someone else and it appears stable, it appears faithful, and yet you would describe yourself today as a very lonely person. Could be that you're paying a price for reasonable leadership and the place of leadership has extracted a heavy burden that others cannot understand nor fully enter into what you feel. Could be that you're a divorcee or a divorced or or a widower who feels the grief of loss so deep. As one author said it and put it this way, we must all face the fact that in the ordinary course of life, one partner in every marriage can expect to travel the last lap of the race alone. Look, I don't know your situation this morning and you don't know mine, but I wonder if anything I read to you this morning resonates with you. And in light of that, people run to all sorts of things. That deep-seated feeling of loneliness creates this vacuum in our life and people end up running to all sorts of things in an effort to cope with that deep feeling of loneliness. Our world is plagued with lonely people. I mean, they are everywhere. They are in grocery stores. They're in church pews. They're in your office cubicle. I mean, they are everywhere. You say, why is that? Well, I think we're living in a day where people have neglected their soul. We're living in a day where where countless millions of people are in bondage in every form, including things like alcohol or illicit drugs or food or pornography. And and it's all in an attempt to relieve that that, that deep-seated feeling of emptiness. In fact, the, the, the pain of loneliness has caused some people to run from life itself. They choose in the bitter end to take their own life and to end it in despair. You see, loneliness is something that is probably more experienced than it is defined. I don't have to come up here this morning and define what loneliness is. You know what it is because you've experienced it in your own life. You know, but Merriam-Webster puts it this way, loneliness is being without company. It's cut off from others. It's, It's not frequented by human beings. Loneliness is sad from being alone, preceding a feeling of bleakness or desolation. Maybe you wouldn't describe it that way. Maybe you would say loneliness feels like a deep, deep, 
inner despair. Maybe you would describe it as this all-consuming vacuum of deep sorrow. And in fact, loneliness, and really, as we think about it, is just a disconnect. It's a disconnect, and we feel that loss of disconnection so deeply. And in fact, as I open up my Bible, I find great encouragement that if that's where you're at this morning, the scriptures tell us that loneliness is common to all of mankind. How many of you are here this morning, you hear what I'm saying, and you can raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've been there. Can I see your hand? Hold it way up. Hold it way up. Look around the room. No, I've been there. I've been there. Can I ask you a question? Anybody been there recently? I wonder, have people ever tried to help you in your loneliness? I mean, people mean well, don't they? Our family, our friends, our colleagues, they all, they all mean well. They, 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 they're, they're trying to do their best. They, they, they mean well. Turn your neighbor right now and tell them they mean well. They mean well. They do. But how many of you have felt like this, that regardless of the advice that they give you, regardless of the antidote that they're trying to provide for you, it seems like whatever they're saying, it, it's just not bearing the reality of the situation that you find yourself in. And you say, what can be done about it, right? What can be done about it? Well, it's good that we don't have to go too far in our Bibles to find out what can be done about it. In fact, you open your Bible, turn with me to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 2, we need not go far into the pages of Scripture to discover what the Bible has to say about being alone. In fact, you and I, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1, are have been created by this infinite, wise, good, and loving God. He has designed us for these deep and meaningful relationships. And when we open up the pages of the Bible, we find in Genesis 1 that God creates this world and in his beauty of design and all that he's fashioned and as he forms man and he says, all this is good. But then we also discovered that the Almighty says one thing about his creation, this new creation is in fact not good. You find it in verse 18 of chapter 2 where the scripture says it is not good. God says this. This is the first thing in all the world that he fashioned that God says is not good. It is not good that man to be, what's the next word? Alone. You see, Adam was alone. Adam was without this human companionship. Adam's out there in this new garden in paradise and he finds all of these couples of what God has made. But he was alone. He was lacking human companionship. He he was lacking that depth of intimacy that comes from that deep relationship. So God, what does God do about it? He solves the not good problem. How did he do it? How did he, what did he do? What did he make? Made a woman. Amen. I'm thankful for the woman God gave me. Amen. I mean, I would be nothing today without her and her companionship. I know that. I mean, I would have made so many bad mistakes in ministry if it weren't for her. It's not good that man should be alone. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, in verse 24, and hold fast to his wife, and they together shall become one flesh. You see it there? 
But here's the difference. Look right up here. There's a difference between aloneness and loneliness. In Genesis chapter 2, we open our Bible, and in chapter 2, we discover that Adam was alone. But when you turn the page to chapter 3, what you discover is that Adam and Eve experience loneliness for the very first time in the Garden of Eden. Adam was alone, but I wouldn't say he was lonely. You see, loneliness comes in Genesis chapter 3 as Adam and Eve together declare against God their independence. They take from the fruit that God had forbidden not. And they choose to turn from God. They turn from his word. They choose to go their own way. And sin enters into humanity. And and the roots of loneliness are planted at that moment into the human soul. And they spring up in every generation. You see, loneliness is deeply connected uh, to the human condition of our sin. The Bible tells us that we all were born in sin. And so, yes, there's certainly things in life that feel lonely, but the deepest loneliness in the human heart is only brought about by the depth of our sin. You see, sin makes us lonely because it separates us from God. Sin disconnects us from that loving intimacy of the Father. But the gospel of Jesus Christ has done something to do something about it. It's why we're here. It's what we sing about this morning. We believe that Jesus Christ has come. And in Christ's coming and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, that Jesus in that moment is dealing a death blow to the primary cause of loneliness in the human heart. Because by the work of Christ, he is now reconciling us back to our creator that once was broken and disconnected, that because of the gospel has been reconciled. Oswald Sanders portrays it in his book on loneliness this way. He says, to be left alone without God is hell. But to be left alone with God is a foretaste of heaven. Can I say to you this morning that you're there, you're in that lonely pit, the real lack, the real disconnect in your life today is not what you think of the situation that you're in, but it's a deeper disconnection. It's a lack of intimacy with the Father. You know, many times we try to address loneliness in our life by its symptoms. And so we look at our life and the things that we're going through And I just described a number of those experiences or symptoms that can happen in life. The loss of a spouse or a close friend, uh, the state of of singleness, the, the idea of being in a new place or in a place with new relationships, the price of leadership. Hey, look at here. All of those things happen, and that's called life. We're living in a broken world. We're living in a broken world full of brokenness and the destruction that sin has wrought in this world. And so you and I don't wake up and put our feet on the floor any day of our life where we're not confronted with the reality of how devastating that original, that beginning, that first sin and the disconnection and the devastation that it brought on all of humanity. You see, we're fully aware of that, I think, but what we don't so quickly identify is that while there's many symptoms of loneliness in our life, the primary cause of loneliness within the life of every person is a lack of intimacy with the Father. 
Some of you here this morning, and you're just real frustrated. You're frustrated in the lonely season that you're in. And you think that if you fix that, that somehow that would ease that deep feeling of loneliness. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the only thing that can fix that is a, is a renewed intimacy with God. Look how Jesus described it. Turn in your Gospels to the book of John. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 16. I want you to see what Jesus says. John chapter 16, verse 32. Notice how Jesus describes it. He's here talking to his disciples. Excuse me. He's talking to his disciples, and he wants them to know some things. And notice what he says in verse 32. Look at the end. He says, you will leave me alone. (laughs) That's true. They did. They all left. They all forsook him. In Jesus' hour of greatest need, all the disciples ran. You remember that? Remember they're in the Garden of Gethsemane? And Jesus comes to those who had walked with him for years and he said, hey, come with me and pray. Hey, come with me and pray. Hey, come with me and pray. Jesus is knowing he's about to go to the cross and he, he comes there in that garden and he begins to pour out his heart about what he's about to go through. He looks back at his friends. What are they doing? <laughs> hey man, I, I, I really need you right here. Hey man, I really need you right here. Can you, can you pray with me? And Jesus goes back to pray. And he looks back. And where are they at? In Jesus' greatest hour of need, in the Sanhedrin and the army and all of that comes, and those guys are gone. And Jesus knows this. And so he says to them, he says, you will leave me alone. I'll be lonely. Oh, that's not what he says. You will leave me alone. Yet I am, what's the next two words? Say it louder. Yet I am not what? I'm not alone. Why? For the Father is with me. Jesus said, hey, there's going to come a moment in your following after me where you're going to completely, utterly leave me alone. But Jesus said, I want you to know something. I'm not alone. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Jesus could say that. How could he say it? Because the Father is with me. Can you look right up here this morning? Hey, my friend, you don't have to live in your loneliness. Uh Uh-uh. You don't have to live in your loneliness. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you don't have to live there. Uh Uh-uh. See, here's the problem. Some of us have gone through some painful moments in life, some challenging seasons in life that have brought us to a point of feeling that deep-seated feeling of loneliness, but some of us are fueling that. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Let me ask you. What are the things that you do in your life that are promoting loneliness in your life? Really? What are the things that you're doing right now in your life that are promoting that sense of loneliness in your life. You know, there's two things that I think can happen in the life of every person that if we're not careful, it ends up adding this fuel on that fire of loneliness. The first is some of us, 
we go through those moments in life and we find ourselves just wallowing in self-pity. Anybody been there? Say amen. A little louder? Yeah, we we don't, don't we? Don't we wallow in self-pity sometimes? You say, come on, pastor, I don't do that. Mark it down. You wallow in self-pity? One-way ticket to the city of loneliness. Some of you are waiting for someone else to fix your loneliness. But here's the thing I learned this week. No one else can fix your loneliness. No one else can take it away. You got to do something about it. You have to take the first step in a new direction for where you found yourself at. Some of us want to wallow in self-pity. Some of us want to look at our life and the things that have happened, and oh my, they are painful. But taking a new step in what God wants out of your life is not about by blaming the situation. It's not about blaming something or blaming someone. Or some of you this morning are blaming God Almighty for your loneliness. And the reality of the fact is this morning that, 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 that nothing that you and I can do by attributing blame to anything else will help us move forward in where we're at. If you're gonna move forward out of that moment of loneliness in your life, it will be because you, by God's grace, took the first step in the direction that he wants you to go. That you're gonna begin to change your life and live your life accordingly to what he wants. See, some of us right here, we, we, we find ourselves fueling the fire of loneliness in our life because we're wallowing in self-pity. But secondly, it could be this. It could be you're just opting to be self-critical. You know, lonely people tend to be self-critical people. Self-condemning. We can look at our life and we can look at a real fault of ours or we can look at a perceived fault but equally we feel like there's something there that we must condemn. Some of us are really hard on ourselves. Some of us really struggle to give ourselves grace. Some of us struggle in this room to forgive ourselves. Oh man. If God, in his mercy for Christ's sake, forgave you, then why don't you rest in what he's already done? Amen. Some of us think that, some of us think that being by self-critical or, by, or by, by, by bearing up under this thing that we're not giving ourselves grace in, like we struggle to forgive ourselves for the sin that he's already forgiven. And if God in Christ's sake can forgive you, if the almighty God can forgive you, then my goodness, Rest in his forgiveness. You want to know the power of breakthrough? Some of you are like, hey, pastor, when you're talking about those lonely seasons, I'm there. I'm there. Can I let you in on a secret? What's the breakthrough? What's the breakthrough? It's really not that deep. The breakthrough is in admitting where you're at and not resenting it. A lot of us resent it. 
You see, that's the crux of the issue. Because in this loneliness and in the feeling of where you find yourself, if your attitude lends to resenting and not accepting, if, if it lends to resenting and not resting, then, then, then there's no help for you. Because, because you found yourself isolated, you found yourself pulled away, and, 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 and you've almost like created this impasse in your life that, 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 that you're unable to go forward anymore. But if in Christ you understand that God is sovereign over the entire duration of our life, and that this good God who created this good world, and he desires that you have good, deep, meaningful relationships, and that he wants you to experience the depth of intimacy that cannot come from someone else in this life, but only can come from him. And yet if you go through a season of life, and however it's happened, but you find your heart resentful, rather than just accepting and understanding, this is where God has me right now. Would you like it to be different? Sure. But God's not caught off guard. I dare say if you pause right now and think about that situation that's caused you the deepest grief, are you saying he's not capable? Are you saying that? No, you see, that what we all have to come to is, Lord, your ways are far bigger than my ways. Some of us are the rational people and we go through deep loss and we, we just grapple with it because we're trying to make sense of it. That's a futile thing. Because what we have to do, what we should do, what we ought to do is accept it and say, Lord, I trust you though. I trust you. You have me single right now? I trust you. You've put me in this position of leadership with all these difficult decisions. I trust you. Lord, you, you, you called that person home, that, that person. Lord, I, I can trust you. God, I'm in a new season. I'm in a new opportunity. I, well, I can trust you. You see, what do we discover about loneliness? What we discover about it is that, that Jesus in this passage, you're there in John 16, notice the very last sentence. You know, Jesus is talking about how his disciples are gonna, how, how they're gonna leave him alone, but he says, hey, I'm not alone. I got, I got a secret you don't know about. The Father is with me. Amen. And if you're God's child today, the Father's with you. Amen. Notice what Jesus said in the last sentence. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know what Jesus is saying? He says, yeah, you're gonna go through some lonely things. There's gonna be some difficult seasons, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So can I ask you a question as we draw to kind of a conclusion this morning? How do you and I overcome loneliness in our life? A couple ways. You and I need to daily daily stay connected to the source of life itself. 
You see, loneliness would lead us to feel disconnected. Loneliness would lead us to feel isolated. Loneliness would, uh, would, would create those deep griefs in our heart that we feel alone. And you and I, by faith, every day need to daily stay connected to the source of life, to abide in Christ. Jesus says, if you abide in me, I in you. Just abide in me. Stay connected. And in that connection, every day of our life, develop an intimacy with God that you will not find in any other place in this world. You know, some of us are wanting other people or other things to be for us what only God can be for us. So deep, develop that deep intimacy with the Father because here's the reality, Jesus gives a rest unlike this world gives it. Jesus offers us a peace unlike the world would give it. Jesus has demonstrated his love unlike anything we have ever seen. So what you need in your disconnection is intimacy with the Father. And then you say, okay, Pastor, what about three real practical things? Let me give them to you. Number one, cultivate, cultivate quality friendships. That doesn't come naturally. How many of you know relationships are hard work? Can I see your hand? How many of you have like a best friend or whatever that you've been friends with for a while? Can I see your hand? How many of you know you've gone through some rough passages with your best friend? Can I see your hand? But you've cultivated it and you've worked at it. Really, it's not about the number of relationships. Today, a lot of people are living life and they, they feel like they have this myriad of, of relationships on social media, but then they feel so disconnected and so understood because they just don't have that meaningful relationship. You need a person in your life that you can come to and dump <laughs> and know that as you're dumping, they're not looking at you like, what a... No, they love you right where you're at. Develop deep relationships. Reach out. Do you have one? Do you have one right now? Like, as I said that, is there a name that comes to mind of a person that you have a deep relationship with? I mean, real deep. I mean, you can tell them anything deep. If not, you got to take that first step, man. You got to take that step out of loneliness and say, eh, to get to know somebody, to spend time with. You don't form friendships overnight. But I'm so thankful in my life that there's a few guys that I got some deep relationships with. And I'll tell you, over the last few weeks, I've gone to each of them and it is <laughs> so much so I got to go to them the day after and say, "Will you? I'm so sorry." Like that, not me. But that's friendship, right? Like, that's friendship. Like, like that's, a, that's a deep quality friendship. God has not created you to be alone. He's created you to experience meaningful relationships. So maybe for you, you don't have that. The first step is reaching out to begin it. Second, reach out to look for someone else who's equally hurting and serve them. Serve them. Some of us in our lonely pit need to get our eyes 
off of our self-pity and put it on the needs of others. And what you might find is as you reach out and find someone who is hurting and lonely and your ministry to them becomes just the catalyst that you need in your life to, to move you in a new direction. So what do we need to do? We need to reach out and cultivate quality friendships. We need to reach out and minister to someone else in their season of need. But then thirdly, we need to rest in the reality that in Christ, you're never truly alone. Some of you are here this morning, you're hearing me talk and you're saying, Pastor, where is God in the midst of my loneliness? He's right there beside you. He's right there. If you're his child, his love is set upon you and there is nothing you can do to change that. There is no attitude, action, behavior that you've done or will do this past week that somehow God will look at you differently. He is consistent. He is good in every season. Some of us are just not opening our eyes to see God there. You remember that story in, in I think it's 2 Kings and armies are coming around and that one guy, he just feels like everything's lost. I think it was Elijah, right? Elijah, by God's grace, helped him look up again and he sees this army. That hadn't changed, but he wasn't aware of it. Some of us need to draw ourselves so close to God in that season of loneliness because we're not really hearing his voice well. And if we would just draw near to the Father, we could, we could hear and see what he's doing in our life. We, we can see that he hadn't abandoned us there. He's right there with us. In a book I was reading this past week, I came across this quote by Margaret Clarkson. Just listen. Whether we feel it or not, whether we feel it or not, we have God's presence for our loneliness. His understanding for the human misunderstanding that ruthlessly assaults our quivering sensitivities. His unchanging and unchangeable purpose for the seeming hopelessness of our frustration and apparent uselessness. Our very infirmities can open up our lives to more of the power of Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, in those moments of deep loneliness, as we draw ourselves closer in that intimacy with God, what we come to understand is that in those moments, God teaches us something about his resurrection power in moments of our greatest weakness. And God has given his children resources. God has not left you as orphans. But as his children, he's given you resources. What has he given you? He's given you his power. He's given you his promises. He's giving you his presence. 
As Jesus was, was, was there that day and as he was speaking to his followers, some of the last words that he was about to say, he made this statement. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the reality. If you're in Christ, there's never a moment in your life when you're actually alone. He's always there. He's always there. Father, pray for my brothers and sisters. We can find ourselves running ahead of you, chasing after other things. Some of us can find ourselves lagging behind. And what you know we need is a deeper intimacy with you. We need to experience the depth of your love. It's not just a command for something for us to do. Lord, you know that when we do that, we're experiencing the fullness of life. And so when we love God and love others, it's not just out of duty, but it's, Lord, it's out of devotion. It's out of, it's out of this depth of intimacy. And Lord, right now I pray for every person here because I know that loneliness can creep into our life, it can spring up in our life, it can, Lord, we all go through seasons in life, and, and, and that's, Lord, life's hard. But God, for the brother and sister today that have stopped following, or Lord, in their heart, they've, they've just not positioned themselves to listen, I pray that they would open their eyes and see your work in their life, I pray that they would see that in the moment of their deepest weakness, your resurrection power is working. I pray that, Lord, you would lift them up out of the mire and as you promised to set their feet on a rock. God, give them the grace and the strength to take that step, to, to accept where they're at, to, Lord, by your grace, uh, to move forward. We're so thankful we're so thankful, Lord, that you never leave us, never forsake us. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.